Hi, this is Kate Magic from Roy Living. Today, my guest is Andrea Nakayama. Andrea is a functional nutritionist from Portland, Oregon, and really amazing teacher and health educator. So, hope you're going to enjoy listening to Andrea teaching us about functional nutrition. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so thrilled to be here with you, Kate. So, where should we start? I We first met, it must be around 10 years ago now, right? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was kind of just a, a mutual appreciation of each other's work. Um, and I really wanted to take your courses back then, but I just had so many... Uh, commitments and responsibilities and I just actually did my yoga teacher training last yeah, year. Yeah, I saw and that. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. One of the, I enjoyed it so much but one of the things I enjoyed was the challenge of studying and really like having to push my brain in that way and do something that that wasn't comfortable, you know. And so after the course finished, I was like, okay, I want to carry on studying. I want to carry on stretching my brain in this way. And of course, I thought, what course? I thought, oh, yes, there is Andrew's courses. And I, I looked at it and they've really, you know, you've got such an amazing package you've put together for people now. Thank you so much. I'm glad that you waited. It's really evolved into what it all has become. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so great to be able to, support and impact so many different kinds of helpers and healers and practitioners. And I love, Kate, how you bring together everything you love and you're passionate about. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I want to get more into the course, but first of all, do you want to share your story with us and how you came to be a functional nutritionist? Yeah, sure. I It was a long journey, as you know, um, way back in 2000. I was pregnant with my son Gilbert and my husband Isamu was diagnosed with a brain tumor and we were already foodies. We loved good food. We lived in the Bay Area. We'd have these elaborate dinner parties and hang out with friends and shop at the farmer's market. And I really needed some way to support the big unknown that was in our lives. He was given six months to live. He wasn't supposed to be alive to see our son born. And I started to look at all different alternative modalities to support the traditional modalities that we were embracing. You know, it was one of those moments where you think you know what you will do in those situations. And it's very different when you're faced with it. And this is a lot of where what I call the yes and was born. We may need medical interventions, but we want to do everything to support our bodies in the process. So Isamu went through two craniotomies, you know, two brain surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation. Meanwhile, I'm pregnant. He's taking medication that has a big pregnant lady on the capsule with a cross through it, so I couldn't even touch his medication. There was a lot of irony in it, and we drastically changed our lives and our lifestyle and, uh, you know, omitted sugar, which can feed cancer growth, and looked at a lot of different factors to support his 
help and sustain his life for as long as we could. And we did sustain his life for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So he lived beyond his prognosis and enough to really make a good imprint on our son, Gilbert. They had about a year and a half together. So he died back in July of 2002. And it took a little while for me to realize that this work was my calling mm. and to find my way back to school and back to studies and to nutrition as a passion, but a certain form of nutrition that allowed me to see each person as an individual, not a diagnosis, that allowed me to look at the whole, the entirety, really take holistic to a new level. And that's where my passion for the work I do now was born. Mm. It's such an incredible story. Remember when you told me the first time, I really think one day they should make a Hollywood movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who gets to play me, but that'll be fun. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, but, I mean, as you say, like the, the world of holistic health is, is so broad and there's so many kind of strands within that. What led you to functional nutrition specifically? It was kind of a stumbling upon it and realizing in the earlier days of functional medicine, I mean, it's, it was born really in the 1970s. And I'll talk a little bit about what it is so we know what we're talking about. But it was born really back in the 1970s. And it was born of a need to look more holistically at the individual and to understand some of the interconnections between life and lifestyle in the body, but also in the body itself. What are these interconnections? And as I started to be exposed to it, and I can't even remember how, through readings, through online findings, it really made sense. And as I immersed myself in it, I realized that in functional medicine, there were still some gaps and that there were ways that the principles could be taken forward more to the work of, that the patient is doing and that alternative or adjunct practitioners were doing, like us, people who are focused on nutrition or lifestyle, nurses, nurse practitioners, registered dietitians, acupuncturists, that we all have the opportunity to think functionally even though we might not be practicing medicine. So if it's okay, I'll share the three tenets of there. Yeah, so number one is that we think through the lens of a therapeutic partnership. So we get out of this doctor or healer as God perspective and go into the guide perspective that we are partners with the patient, but also that the patient is the main partner in their healthcare journey and that patient is all of us that we all have a right to be a partner to show up at the doctor knowing what's going on with ourselves and being able to advocate for ourselves so taking that first principle that first tenant further to how do we educate the patient and how do we have more educators to educate the patient mm -hmm. to be that partner Tenant number two is that we look for the root causes. And in functional medicine, it's also often called the root cause, which I think is a misnomer because then people are looking for the root cause, just like they're looking for the root fix or the quick fix. When I find this root cause, 
all will be better. And in fact, there's usually myriad factors that lead us to the point we're at. My son, who I was pregnant with back when I was just kind of being born into this uh, journey, as I was talking about, he's now 18 almost 19 and he's really uh, obsessed with the writer and thought leader Malcolm Gladwell mm. who takes sociology points right so he wrote the book the tipping point and that's a concept we have to think about in healthcare that when we come to assign a symptom or a diagnosis we got there because it's the tipping point and we have to look at what led to that tipping point? It's not one thing. It's a whole cluster of factors. So tenant number one, therapeutic partnership. Tenant number two, we look for the root causes, meaning we ask why, not just what. And tenant number three is that we look through the lens of systems. And that means we have a systems approach. How are we going to help you? What's the process? But also, so that we pay heed to systems biology. And that's the recognition that our gut is connected to our brain and our liver is connected to our hormones. And we really start to think through that lens so we're not just playing target practice or getting into the realm of ologies. Gastroenterology is different than psychology or psychiatry. They're not. They're very interrelated and we think through that systems lens. So those are the three tenants that are really at the basis of all the thinking that enables us to practice and think functionally as patients and for those of us who are in the healing professions. From what I've understood so far, and obviously I'm, I'm only sort of about six weeks into the course, it's really about understanding the intelligence of the body and the intelligence of the system and then working with that. But then it's hard to see why conventional medicine isn't doing that, right? Yeah, I think we've gotten way in medicine, way down into the realm of the fix. And we often need that fix in acute situations. We need that fix in urgent situations. And medicine is really born out of the need to deal with deadly situations. And medicine has gotten better at that, our surgical intervention, debatable whether you could say our antibiotics because we have a lot of antibiotic resistance but if we look at ancient forms of healing whether they're from yogic traditions ayurvedic traditions chinese five elements it really is like you said kate about the body's wisdom and that is where we start to say <clears throat> the science the evidence that we should be looking at is in that body's wisdom and it's in how the body should function. The other thing that you really emphasize that I really resonate with and love is bioindividuality. Do you want to explain that to us? Yeah, it's definitely goes back to this idea that we all got to where we are for unique reasons and really understanding that there's a number of elements that contribute to bioindividuality. So when we're thinking about bioindividuality, we need to think about who we are, where we came from, 
sometimes our genetics, not as much as medicine is claiming or has claimed in the last decade, which is starting to wane, but some of our genes do dictate what our next steps are. They certainly can be influenced by all our diet and lifestyle factors. Those are the epigenetics. Bioindividuality is really interesting to consider if we think about twins who actually have the same genes but are separated at birth and live different lives and even though they're identical twins they manifest differently right so bioindividuality is everything about the individual it's where they came from how they were born how they were fed or not fed through their childhood triggers in their life the stressors that we've each experienced what works for us what doesn't what our cultural background is what our habits are and how they influence us or are influenced by our bio biology and what i like to teach is how we take that all into consideration so there's never a protocol like if you have x you do y it's why do you have x and how do i understand that and how does that help me understand what recommendations i'm going to make for you bioindividuality is really you are unique and you get to own that and kate i find it really interesting that we want to claim that we're unique in so many areas of our lives mm -hmm. and with an increasing propensity there's half size bras and all sorts of different genes and beds that conform to your body and all of spotify accounts that pick out the music that you like right but when it comes to healthcare we still want the quick fix and the one size fits all we as patients have to make this leap to own our bio individuality and say you know what that doesn't work for me that diet that works for my best friend doesn't work for me and this is why or this is how i'm feeling and i can own that and bring it forward and wow those things that happened in my life whether it was food poisoning or a death of a loved one or stressors that are unique to me they actually matter in my health and my healthcare today and the decisions i make well also what you say is that it's so unhelpful to focus on the label of the disease because two people will have the same label but what's created that is very different circumstances so what's your yes. phrase back it up is your favorite phrase right <laughs> yes back it up back it up and that brings us back to those root causes right or understanding what we talk about in functional medicine is the upstream factors that led to that downstream um, effect and you likely haven't gotten to this training in the coursework yet kate but i like to think of it as three roots many branches and any sign symptom or diagnosis is a branch it's not the root the root cause is really uh, rooted in the soil or the terrain of our lifestyle and when i'm thinking about the roots i think about the genes but most importantly all the factors that impact them our digestion because that's where our food meets our physiology and our inflammation I did actually, just as a little side note, I did actually look at that course first. Oh, good. We want to just give a little plug to that course because it was really um, so helpful, I think. 
Awesome. Yeah. The, the um, Roadmap to Resolution is the book where I first introduced that. And we will be releasing that again in, in early 2020. So we'll have access to that. But that really helps to understand the terrain of healthcare today. How many people, especially women, just like you and I were chatting about earlier, Kate, are suffering without knowing what's going on. Perhaps like me, many of us didn't have a diagnosis. And so we go through, likely the average is likely three years, four doctors, where we're kind of searching for, wait, something doesn't feel right. And I can't figure out what it is. And there's so much we can do to support ourselves and that we as, you know, healing in the healing profession can actually do to support others, even when we don't have the label yet. And that's where we start to look at those three roots, many branches. And that's a little mini course that I had a little video series where I talk into what does it mean to look through those lenses and what are those three roots? What do we do to support the body? Mm. The other thing you've mentioned a few times already, but it's this moving away from the quick fix approach, isn't it? And the the importance of of the long term approach. It, obviously, when people are coming to you, a lot of times people are coming to you because they've exhausted <laughs> a lot exactly. of other possibilities, and you, you know you have a reputation for being able to. I guess crack cases <laughs> that other people have been unable to to do. So if you wanted to speak on that a bit, but then also, you know, ideally you wouldn't be meeting people in that stage. So ideally, what would it look like to you? What would a, a healthy healthcare system look like to you? Yeah, um, I'm hoping to to be a part of building that with all of us. You know that I'm training. I'm, I've had the opportunity to train nearly 4,000 practitioners from health advocates to health coaches to nutritionists, dietitians, licensed practitioners like nurses and uh, chiropractors all the way to MDs who are searching for this more patient-centered or person-centered approach where we say there are other factors involved other than just addressing your diagnosis or searching for something that is pathologically wrong. So for me, it's about looking at our food and what is the right food for your body, but also how do you receive your food? So, you know, quickly, it's about our food, it's about our movement, it's about our environment, and it's about our mindset. And then if we look at the food and look at digestion, it's about how do we get our body to receive what we're putting in that's good. And when it comes to inflammation, it's understanding how do I clear and calm all aspects of my life. I don't just mean with turmeric and ginger and anti-inflammatories. I mean with our rest and with the people we surround ourselves with. And as you say, Kate, with the culture that we engage in, with love and relationship and support, there are so many ways that we are missing what I call the, the top tiers of health and healing. Mm -hmm. And those top tiers are our non-negotiables. And there's a lot of bio-individuality in that. So we each have different non-negotiables and our deficiencies. And deficiencies could be nutrient deficiencies. They could also be 
deficiencies in secretions of hormones or hydrochloric acid. They could be deficiencies in love and joy and all sorts of things. And when we start to think through those lenses, asking ourselves, what are my non-negotiables and where might there be some deficiencies in my life? We then start to nurture the terrain, the soil in which healing can occur. Mm. So it's being able to look at things, it's being able to look at the interrelationship of things basically, isn't it? That's which is a very complex thing to do. Yes, and also if we can't see through that lens, to back it up, as I like to say, and practice self-care, not with um, not with an idea that it all has to be right or a certain way, mm-hmm. but that we have certain things we want and desire in our lives, and to take the opportunity either alone or with a community of friends or with someone like yourself, Kate, to have those discussions. Like, I really enjoy X, Y, Z, and I need that in my life, and I don't know how to get that. Or if I change my diet, I'm worried that I can't have that. Or if I am out and I'm a musician and I stop drinking, What does that mean for the connection that I really thrive on? And that connection is a non-negotiable for me. How can I have it even if I'm giving something up? And it's always a discussion of risk-reward, risk-reward. And we start to think through that lens and just do one thing at a time. It's not about living the perfect life. If we try to live the perfect life, we are going to fall and falter and it's going to be like we're living good, quote unquote, and then living bad and then living good and living bad. And it's more about constantly shifting because our bodies are also shifting to find what works for me now. What is it that I need and crave and want? Um, You know, as an example, Kate, I I told you I'm in New York City right now. I'm here for a few weeks, which is unusual. And um, I love living in Oregon. I love hiking. I love, you know, getting outdoors with my boyfriend and going on excursions out in the mountains and the woods. And that's really healing for me. It's such a huge part of my weekly routine and kind of resetting that forest bathing is a part of clearing my mind. And um, we took an extended trip in the fall to the Italian Dolomites, really just getting immersed in the alpine environment. So restorative for me. I'm busy. I'm running a business. It's hard. There's employees. There's a lot to do all the time. So that is super restorative. And yet here I am in New York City and I love it. I love that I can walk everywhere and that there's a feeling of, you know, lots of people around that I could find raw food dessert and have cake (laughs) that fits my dietary needs that, um, you know, I can see old friends, like old girlfriends from college and other parts of my life that I could hear music really easily at 7 p.m. and not at 11 (laughs) p.m. So all these things are a reminder for me of 
oh, this feels good. This is part of my health. Mm. And how do I then reincorporate little pieces of what I'm being fueled with here in my everyday life or, you know, in some part of my routine mm. at home? If I were here, I'd be missing the outdoors. I'd be missing yeah. the green. So making sure we're kind of just tuning in. I share that as an example of I'm tuning in. I'm having a good time. I'm taking good care of myself because I can get good food. I'm right upstairs from a macrobiotic restaurant. Perfect. It's all about me taking good care of myself and recognizing what things feel good and are supportive of my health. And how do I embrace those and take them forward? Those become my non-negotiables. But that's, that's part of the complexity of the system, right? That it's always changing. It's always in flux. So you can't ever just figure it out. And it's like, oh, I'm done. And then some dynamic of the situation changes. And then there's another bit to figure out. Exactly. And that's where the, we pivot more easily the more in touch we are. So I have an autoimmune condition. I have Hashimoto's. My immune system, you know, is on overdrive. And there's a few things I do to regularly take care of myself. My non-negotiables are extra important to me because I do have a lot I want to achieve in the world. I don't want to feel sluggish. Mm. I want to feel the energy that I'm used to feeling. Mm. So I have things that I do to take care of myself, but I have to be super tuned in when the scale tips a little bit, when the stress is too much and catch myself and think, what do I need to do before this gets out of control? Because I don't have the room for it to get out of control. And so it's a dynamic relationship with ourselves. I often like to think of it as a nonviolent communication with self. <laughs> Can you give us a couple of examples that people might be wondering what you mean by non-negotiables? Can you give us Yeah. Yeah, so just to say like when I say nonviolent communication with self, people may be familiar with nonviolent communication from the realm of psychology where we listen to a partner. So we're not supposed to talk over them. We listen to what they're saying. We go, huh, interesting. I repeat this back to you. So <laughs> we don't just have our own agenda, right? So when we have nonviolent communication with self, we pay attention to how am I feeling, what's going on. And this is where the non-negotiables that you asked about come into play. This is where, for me, non-negotiables are definitely how I eat, what foods I avoid, and what foods I include. So I personally, and again, this is bio-individual, I avoid any refined sugar. I keep my glycemic load down. Um, I don't eat any gluten. I Oh, don't eat any dairy. I occasionally can eat some goat, raw goat dairy. So those are the things I say, like we have our path, we have our bike lane or our shoulder, depending on where you live in the road. And then we have our poison ivy. So I know what my poison ivy is very clearly and I avoid my poison ivy. And I know where I have some wiggle room, like with that raw goat dairy, can't eat it every day, wouldn't even eat it once a week but I can eat a little raw goat dairy on occasion. And knowing my lane, 
knowing what works for me and what doesn't. Those are non-negotiables for me. My sleep is a non-negotiable and I have to make sure that I'm catching my wave, as I like to call it. And as you will learn more about in the endocrine intensive, Kate, catching that wave of when the cortisol should be going down, when my energy is going down and making sure I'm going to sleep at that time. Otherwise, I know what's happening physiologically and I can feel it and it doesn't serve me to stay up for that kind of second wind that we might get. And this, like you said, for a population of like artists and musicians, that's a hard one because oftentimes a lot is happening in the later hours where we may actually be, especially as we age, working counter to what our body's needs are. And so then there's extra support that we need to bring in. Yeah, yeah. So non-negotiables, it's what I eat, it's when I sleep and how I sleep and the environment in which I sleep in, it's who I surround myself with, it's making sure I have a movement in my life that I enjoy, whether it's hiking, like I mentioned, getting outdoors becomes a non negotiable. I love walking. I love my yoga practice. If I find another practice, like right now I have a Pilates practice that I love, it's making sure those things are in my life in a regular way so that I'm fueling myself with what I know I need. Mm. So I guess actually, because my what I'm curious about is how you see the future of medicine, but I guess you're answering it with that with that um description because really if we're all doing that then um you know this kind of emergency this kind of chronic work that you spend so much time doing that's going to dissipate isn't it it would be so nice <laughs> if it would i i think that because the healthcare system is focused on the fix and because we are moving more towards a realm where there's an increased amount of chronic illness, not acute illness, our medical system doesn't know how to address many of those chronic conditions. And the chronic conditions are because of our diet, our lifestyle, mm -hmm. our environmental exposures, the shift in our microbial terrain, everything is contributing to an increase in chronic illness. Going back to the mention of antibiotics, our increased use of antibiotics and their impact on the microbial terrain. And again, I'm not anti anything. I'm, well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not in, I'm, I'm for the appropriate yes. use of interventions. And I think that where what I call the gaps in medicine are occurring are mostly for this population that is experiencing chronic health challenges, um, chronic issues and conditions like autoimmunity, Lyme disease, things that are multifactorial that are hard for our medical establishments to know how to deal with. And the truth is they haven't been trained to. Mm -hmm. So in medicine, I applaud medicine doing parts of what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that for the future of healthcare, we need a new kind of clinician. 
And that clinician is one like you, Kate, who fills those gaps. There are gaps between when we see our doctor, we may see our doctor once or twice a year, who's providing care and insight between those visits in that gap. There's a knowledge gap. We can't expect the doctors to know everything. They, ne- they barely get any training in nutrition. So we can't expect them to. We need to know how to look at nutrition, diet, and lifestyle modification through a different lens. We need advocacy. Our patient population, we as patients need more advocacy. We need to understand how do I navigate what I need for my doctor and advocate for myself every day with the choices I make, but also when I go in for those appointments. And I think what's happening to really dismantle our medical establishment is a lack of trust. There are more people who are taking more and more medications to address things. They're starting to have distrust that they're going to get better. They have that feeling of euphoria when they get a diagnosis, but then realize often with that diagnosis, there's no easy answer. And so I worry about the trust in support and what that means for the patient. So I do think there's a future of self-ownership and for a new kind of clinician in the model. And um, I'm hopeful in some ways, but it's a big, it's a big mountain to climb it's, as well. It's really a lack of interrelational, interrelational thinking. Isn't yes. It? Yes. Our, Good way of putting on it. Own, on our own part, when we understand more how every all the choices we're making are contributing to our health, then we can put yes. those puzzle pieces together. But when we see our health as separate from our lifestyle, then there's going to be some disconnect. Correct. Yeah. Well said. So I want to talk about the course. I just need to say, Andrew, you're just a phenomenal teacher. You, <laughs> you really are incredible. You just explain everything so, so well. And you're so, I mean, it's very complex things you're, you're going over. And yet you, 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 you do it without being patronizing, but, but by really getting into detail. And I don't know, you're just yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That feels really good to hear. And um, communicate yeah. really complex ideas in a way that is, yeah, makes it, I won't say easy to access, but makes it accessible to people is a, is a real art, I think, and a real skill. Thank you so much. Yeah. My hope is that with that kind of storytelling that the people I train can take that same language and that story and not only get it for themselves, but also be able to pay that forward so that the role we're playing when we're interacting with people, if they, so, if they want, if the patient or client wants, is education. And I really think education is the answer to compliance. When people aren't doing what they're quote unquote supposed to do, it's because they don't understand. They haven't understood why they should do it. So it's just because we said so, but it's also because they don't have that relationship of that risk reward I was talking about. They don't really understand the risk and they haven't really experienced the reward. And so when we educate, we bring them into that awareness and the lights just go off and 
Um, I, I have seen it in thousands of people's eyes that I've had the opportunity to interact with when I myself had a private practice. Now we have a virtual clinic, but that was always a gift to see that awareness and then the light come back into people's eyes, the trust come back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So can you tell us about the course and why? why someone might want to take it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you are in the program with us, Kate. It's such a treat. Oh, yay. Uh, Well, my company is called the Functional Nutrition Alliance, that alliance really being about our partnership with all providers, with doctors, with patients. And uh, the, the school is called the Functional Nutrition Lab, because it really is a lab, right? It's how we take this, practice it, think about it, take it back out, bring problems forward. And it's a 10-month training for, um, I like to say practitioners, but I think all of us in the healing professionals professions are practitioners. So again, there's a wide range, as you may be experiencing if you spend time on the message board or in the Q&As, the live components of the curriculum, Kate. There's a wide breadth of practitioners in the course from the health educator or advocate to an MD and everything in between and it sort of neutralizes the field of how we really all understand this place where diet and lifestyle impact the body um, and look deeply at that. So there are seven main modules with a lot of bonuses and we look at in those modules the digestive uh, system. So it's the digestive intensive the immune intensive, the urinary intensive, which people often don't think they need, but they do because we're looking at um, things like interstitial cystitis and pH and how the kidneys work, which is one of the organs of detoxification. And of course, UTIs, urinary tract infections. We have the cardiometabolic intensive, the endocrine intensive, the neuro or brain intensive, and the reproductive intensive. And we move through the curriculum. It's designed to really help us understand the basis of those roots, really going back to the way the body should function before we get to um, the sexy stuff, like how the brain and the hormones work, which I think we all want to learn about. But those, those aspects of the body are really impacted by those core functions. So there's seven main modules taught over 10 months with a lot of bonuses. There's uh, classes and there's also a lot of live components, our message board. I'm the main teacher and yet my whole nutrition team is there in Q&As and on the message board. And we're really proud of the curriculum. It's impacting so many people's lives, the people we teach and then all the people whose lives they're touching, like you, Kate that you do in your work and in your trainings and education you say 10 months but i'm i am really treating it like a two-year course because there's so much there to delve into isn't there yeah and we actually give two years free access to the course so even though you're paying for a year you get a second year in the live aspects for free we then have a certification program that comes after that and uh, people either go on to that or they often do a membership model if they don't want to do the certification and the membership model gives 
again, continued access to the live components of the the class and we find there's a lot of people who want to stay in the curriculum mm -hmm. um, a majority of people I think upwards of 80% do that second year you have to opt in for it and that's because you hear things differently the second time many people are taking it the third and the fourth time because you do hear different new Nuances once you're putting it into practice, but also the live components of the class give you mentorship and support and community. And that's something that's really missing for this type of practitioner. We are often in isolation, not knowing where to turn. What if I have a problem with a case, a client that I'm working with, or I really don't understand this combination of the, how these two body systems work together? How do I ask questions about that? So the other thing we're really proud of, or one of the other things that we're proud of in the, in the curriculum is the community. It's mm -hmm. phenomenal once you really start sinking into it. There's lots of study groups that happen independent of the classroom. And um, I get, I'm blown away by what I hear happening, meetups in different parts of the world or cities. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. Mm. I think for me, it's being just a nutrition nerd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Having this place where you can just really nerd out. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think that's like home for a lot of people. <laughs> They're like doing all this research on their own. And then it also helps you figure out where to nerd out and where you don't have to go down rabbit holes and get caught in what I call the information trap, uh -huh. where a lot of people are or just researching and researching and researching mm -hmm. and actually not making a profession out of what they love to do because they're allowing the nerddom to rule all their hours mm. but just something like the liver like yes in in what i do i talk about the liver a lot and you know but i've learned so much in your liver bonus it's like it's it just incredible the the complexity of the system and a whole new level of appreciation for my liver <laughs> yes love your liver and you know learning what we can do to support it you yeah. know it's it's the how does it function, how do we help it function before it gets to that tipping point where there is a sign, a symptom, or a diagnosis. Mm. Brilliant. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. I mean, I could listen to you all day, but people can listen to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell them where to find you. Yeah, please. You can um, definitely go to fxnutrition.com. That's our main site. And from there, you can learn more. And I believe, Kate, you'll have something in the show notes to lead to the curriculum yes. if, if there are people who are interested in study. And Kate, it's just like, it's always a joy to spend time with you and your energy and everybody listening to you. Your audience is so fortunate that you're so devoted to continuing your education and your learning and your growth. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for listening. Please remember to like and subscribe. It does help so much. And yeah, check out the link below if you're interested in Andrea's program.
You can find more interviews like this over on katemagic.com and of course check out the shop rawliving.eu for all your raw food and superfood products.